Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com. Your podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 293. And we're in Studio C at MotorWeek World Headquarters with Jessica Ray, Alex Kellum, and Kyle Scanlon. And we're going to get right to it. Uh, one of the vehicles we're going to talk about today, we're going to save for down the line in this particular podcast, but we're going to start with really something that's pretty unusual for us to do a review on, but we had a chance to take a look at it, so we want to. Amazon's Rivian-based delivery vehicle. Jessica, tell us about it, and why is it significant? Why did we actually ask you to go to this uh, review of it? Yeah, so... Um Many of you may have known that Amazon uh, has spent just a little bit of money investing in, in into Rivian. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so basically, I think by the end of the decade, they plan to have like a hundred thousand vehicles, yeah, something crazy like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is uh, the Rivian. It's called the EDV electric delivery vehicle. Now, this specific model is uh, the 700. And so I mentioned this because this is the only one that they're building right now. And um, I went down to the uh, uh, Amazon station in Glen Burnie, which is the first station in the mid-Atlantic region to receive any of these Rivian delivery vehicles. Mm -hmm. Now, you at home may have seen them in your local area already because uh, Rivian has been making deliveries of these across uh, the U.S. and I believe even in Canada. So um, our station has got a delivery of 35 vans. And so if you live in the greater Glen Burnie area, there's a chance that you either have seen them or maybe they've made a delivery to your house. Um, and so really the important thing about this is that... Um, well, they're all electric. So they're quieter. They're much quieter. And no, no tailpipe pollution, no whatever yes. spewing out. Uh, they just work very clearly built for a delivery vehicle in mind. Uh, it seemed like every little thing. I mean, they're very simple. It's mm -hmm. incredibly simple. Um, but it absolutely like every little um you know feature they put on it was like okay this is for a delivery person in mind so the people who work at amazon who get to drive these pretty much have no complaints because it is tailor-made for exactly what they do make their jobs easier exactly um i mean there's a lot of like um you know when we think about uh, electric vehicles they do very well in city Areas, right. which is what delivery vans do. Now, this this van specifically has about a 150-mile electric range. And you might not think that that's a lot, but most delivery uh, routes are less than 100 miles. Maybe they might mm -hmm. be somewhere around 75 miles. So that's actually more than they need, a more range than they need. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of them really like the fact that um, there's less idling, right? Or you can basically, you sort of put the put the vehicle in park, you get out with a key in your pocket, and the car locks itself as you walk away. So, and um, that's really important specifically with, uh, there's a lot of like safety features for the uh, 
that back area where all the packages are stored, right? So there's a, a door that automatically opens and it can automatically close. And it does that and it will lock as you walk away from the vehicle. Oh, so they so don't have to worry. Yes. They yeah. don't have to worry about somebody stealing it because if you have the key in your pocket. Um, it, no, it's a proximity key. So when you walk away, it locks it up. Yes. And I mean, I imagine for the most part, you're probably supposed to turn off the car, you know, turn off the van, walk out, make your package. But that's so inefficient for people. So um, this is, like I said, it also was like really nice inside. It had like really impressive climate controls. It had heated and ventilated seats, which I'm sure in the summer and even in the cold of the winter is re a, a very welcome for a lot of these drivers. The setup actually inside was actually very similar to the Rivian pickup. Uh, pickup, yes, it has that same steering wheel. Um, yeah, this there's been a lot in the press and online about whether or not Rivian, as an automaker, would is going to survive. Uh, they, of course. Had, had their ups and downs with uh, the folks that have ordered their vehicles. But when you look at something like this, you're saying, ah, they're really pretty smart. They, they're, they're building this generic, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, delivery vehicle that a lot of people are standing in line for. Yep. And this gives them the financial base to be able to continue operations and expand their consumer vehicle line. Yeah. Um, often uh, these kind of vehicles are sort of an afterthought for manufacturers, but in this case, they did this actually before they did anything else. They had yeah. this deal. Yeah, and it's so it's, it's on, good to hear that it's built. It's on a different high quality. It's on a different platform. Unless than, it has to be a lot more sturdy. I um, yeah, and it's a little bit bigger. So. Um, but like when I, they had, they had obviously the Rivian truck, the Rivian vans there, but then they also had their other gas powered mm -hmm. uh, vans there. And I think like at first, when you look at this, first off, it's like quirky looking, it's very like smooth. It's got the, it's got these cool, like rounded headlights. So it kind of looks like, um, oh, what's that little Honda in Europe? Honda, that little. Oh, e. the, uh, yeah. The micro car. Yeah. They yeah. have like a micro car and Honda that has these like right. little circular headlights and that's what it kind of like looks like so it's very friendly it's very friendly yeah. looking but it does like i it seems so the large smile on the amazon package <laughs> yeah. 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 was used as by it's the stylist yeah. Okay. But, but so and you might think it's like oh this is bigger but honestly like when you compared it to some of the their bigger vans it it wasn't yeah. so um i uh, how will this will handle in something like say like new york city i don't know um but and i will say this sort of the last of of what i'll go on with this is that there are three different models that they're making they're making a 500 a 700 and a 900 so the 900 is going to be a much more like larger like cargo-y mm -hmm. van i don't maybe not much larger but Longer, it will be probably. bigger yeah. um and it'll actually have a smaller battery in it believe mm -hmm. it or not um apparently i think rivian's like changing some of their battery tech anyway but um yeah it'll be uh have a smaller battery just with like the nature of packages and stuff like they can kind they're like it doesn't need a big battery hmm. um, and then they have a 500 which is smaller and narrower and that is actually specific to the european market i don't know if it'll too. come here yeah i don't know i feel like maybe narrow street yeah yeah but anyway 
Very interesting and something a little different for us. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Jessica. Uh, now we're going to kind of get back on more of our normal track, and we're going to turn to Alex for the 2023 Honda Civic Type R. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow up the, the Amazon. With power, with performance, with VTEC. That, yeah, that we can we afford. Here we go. Yeah, so Honda Civic Type R. I went out to Sonoma, California, and by extension, Sonoma Raceway to drive this both on the street and on the track. So I kind of got the full experience here. It is, of course, built on the latest, the 11th gen Civic hatchback, which I think we all really like. You know, mm -hmm. I know I do. So yeah. I think it's an excellent car. So great base. This is the most powerful Type R ever produced and the most powerful production Honda to be ever offered in the United States, mm. which is a fun little factoid and... <laughs> You can definitely feel it. So, of course, two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, 315 horsepower, and 306 pound-feet of torque that is sent to the front wheels through a six-speed manual only. So there is no DCT. There's no automatic of any right. kind. No, no manual. No only. whim supply. Drivers out there, be happy. It is. Yes. Now you also get like a limited slip differential, uh, stock tires. Uh, just want to make note of this pilot four S's. However, a dealership option you can get. And these are Michelin, by the way, the uh, Sport Cup two. So if you're going to be tracking this thing, you can outfit it with some serious rubber. I mean, the four S is good, too. But uh, for our driving session on the street, we did have it on those four uh, S's. And then we were lucky the wave before us. They uh, they got a little rained out, so they had to stick on that compound. But for us, track was mostly dry. Uh, so we got to throw those. Uh, Sport Cup 2s on there. With the revised front suspension, which I'll talk about, uh, helped to eliminate um, torque steering, better cooling, um, Brembo, four-piston front brakes, that kind of stuff. So what it all added up to was... It was a big smile on your face. Yes, uh, first and foremost, and like I've done a handful of track events and stuff, first and foremost, got to say, uh, Sonoma Raceway kicked my butt. That was a challenging course, but I had a whole lot of fun doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, out on the track. I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it was just incredible. Okay, like, but daily drive. Daily drive, and that's the thing. This is yeah. a and that's, performance well, compact that you know, it's got all the Honda DNA in it. We're really not used to them pushing the envelope when it yes. comes to performance, but it sounds like they did that. They, they absolutely did. And going back to, uh, in, you know, my first drive, I called it um, track practicality or tracticality, trying to be funny. It wasn't funny. did not land. But <laughs> the point is, um, yes, you can daily drive this. And part of that is with the technology, like the uh, selectable drive modes and like you can program, you know, you want the suspension to be softer and all that, but really it's at its foundation. It is still a two-row. You still have plenty. It's a hatchback. You got plenty of cargo space. You can park this in the city if you have to. You can find a parking spot for it. But yes, if you want to take it out on the track or more likely a spirited drive in the back roads, you absolutely can. So to me, this car was very livable. Like out on the street, I did not feel like I was like, you know, getting beat up, which is mm -hmm. one of my biggest concerns um, with these kind of vehicles is like, am I still going to be able to enjoy it just going to the grocery store or to get my kids from school. Not that I have kids, but, you know, pick up my dog <laughs> from the groomers, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and I have to keep coming back to this. It just offers so much performance for the price. It, it absolutely does. So you're talking about 44,000 with delivery. And, and I, this year has been really good for hot hatches yeah. in particular. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have the GR Corolla, the Golf R is still, you know, a, a contender for sure. I don't know if I could pick, you know, I haven't driven all the other ones, so I don't know if I, I don't want to say which one's better than the other one, but I mean, this 
Type R is like right in that neighborhood, and I think it offers a lot of bang for the buck. And I have to say, a lot more mature looking. Um, oh, the previous yeah. generation one, I mean, it was it was cool, yeah. but some of the people on the uh, event I was with, one guy described it as, yeah, the last one was really cool, but I was really embarrassed to drive it. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's a little mean. Honda PR is like five feet that way. But then, um, they no, heard it but, apparently. <laughs> but this, I mean, this one. Yeah, you got a big old wing in the back, and you got extra cooling and vents and all that stuff. But it still, to me, it's more mature. It's a little bit more slick. Um, I don't know. It's just to me, it's very so, fun to set the the visual for folks that haven't seen it. So when you walk up to it, you know it's a Civic, but you know you does do all of the extra go fast parts look like they've been tacked on? No, well definitely not. Definitely not tacked on. Um, but it, it does separate it. I mean, you'll look at it and you'll go, yeah, that's a type R because you will see the wing and there's like an optional wing you can get that looks a little bit more like Gucci. It looks really cool. <laughs> what, the, the best part about it uh, to me, you'll look at it from the front and you, you see the trademark red upholstery and you're like, yeah. that is cool. But when you sit in it, uh, my drive partner uh, took note of this. You sit down and you look forward. The dash like doesn't just have red like plastered everywhere like it looks like a civic mm. uh which you know i think is a welcomed uh change you're not just staring at red the whole time but one neat thing in the interior i have to mention is the f1 style shift indicator mm. you throw it in the track mode and it starts lighting up uh it gives you tone i made a note in it in my video it it to me, it's like you're in explain, a jet fighter. Explain for people that aren't. Yeah. Familiar so, with that is. so you're. Let's say you're you're going down the road, you, and you have to. I believe you have to have it in track mode for this to you know come into effect. So if you're just in the normal mode, you're not going to get this all the time. Um, you're in third gear, and you start going. The revs are climbing. You get these little lights above your. You have like a digital display, but then above that, you have actual like LED lights, and it starts from the outside, and it starts moving, and they start blinking in, and they they change color until you get. All the lights are filled. They all turn red, and they're saying, "Please upshift." Right. That is your indicator. I mean, it's a shift indicator that telling is telling you, you this is the optimal time and to upshift. On top of that, you get a little tone that you know plays. And again, it reminds me of a fighter jet. Like you're, when I'm on the track and I'm behind the guy in front of me, it's like you're in a dogfight, and you're like, "All right, and shift into the to next gear." And I don't concentrate on anything except the car in front of me and the and I yes. see the lights. Yeah, and it That's was cool. it, it's a nice little touch. Yeah. Some people may call it a gimmick, but man, as far as gimmicks go, it's I'm here for it. I live for it, man. I love it. And so how is it on your eyeline, though, like you're saying on the track? Because obviously you want to be looking. Oh, so like where the indicator is. I mean, admittedly, admittedly, you kind of do have to look down a little bit at it. It's still like you can see it in your peripherals. You know, it's not in that direct cone of vision, but it's in your peripherals. And again, the tone, the tone is what really does it. I mean, like that's the indicator. Super, wow. super, super, super. Uh, yeah, cool. uh, ten out of ten. Excited. Love the car. On the track. Now. Yes, it's. I hope we get one in. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we got one more vehicle to talk about in just a few minutes, but now we've got a downshift into Ooh. our lightning Ooh. round. Whoa! Ooh. John actually said something clever. <laughs> Here we go. Everybody's got a comment on this one. I think. While some automakers are offering subscription programs for new features after the initial purchase of a vehicle, Polestar, that's the Volvo EV folks, is offering a one for a one-time fee of $1,200. You get a power boost of 68 horsepower and 15 pound-feet of torque that can shave about three-tenths of a second off of a zero to 60 time. What do you think of a one-time fee for an upgrade versus a subscription? And I'm assuming this is still just a uh, software 
change. Yeah, just an over-the-air yeah. update. So you're paying basically 1200 bucks for somebody to send you a code, your computer mm. car code. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, it's a, all right, I'll, I'll kick it off. Yeah, yeah. Um, go, Alex. it's, it's to me, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Now, granted, it's a little different because this is like a performance thing. Like, to be fair, you don't necessarily need a power boost. Um, it's no, a little, you don't. it's a little bit different for things, obviously, like anything related to safety, of course, or like range. Like we've seen that where they, they kick out an update, you get more range, right. stuff like that. I I mean, to me, that's the glory of over-the-air updates, right, is that you can have these changes made after the fact. And while you don't need a power boost, I'm worried that this kind of then sets this stage of, like, well, people will pay a little bit more for a thing that we can just I, I know I'm I oversimplifying yeah. this. No, I am no, oversimplifying no. this, but you, you know, plug it into the computer and then you get the update. I think they I, are testing the waters. I think it, that's all this is. They want to see how many people out there want it. Yeah. And, and to be fair, yeah. I mean, there are people that buy performance vehicles and then they, they throw a cold air intake on it. That's 300 something dollars. Then they go get it tuned. You know, they do these things. So people will pay for performance upgrades. And again, the, the the silver lining here is that you don't need this power boost, but it, if you end up paying for other things, you know I don't know. Well, Slippery the problem slope. for me is is looking at the numbers. Sixty eight yeah. horsepower that's meaningful, but I'm not so sure. Fifteen pound feet of torque is, and if you're looking at most people draw are looking at for a boost off the line, mm -hmm. it's reason, torque yeah. that gets you up and running. And that just seems like a low. Yeah, it's uh, seventeen dollars and sixty-four cents per horsepower. Just, yeah. just throwing that out there. So, I, uh, but I think they're just <laughs> testing the water, trying to figure out what what the market will bear. And then, of course, everybody else is going to watch and see if if they get ten percent takers, maybe it's a failure. If they get thirty or forty or fifty percent, well, you know. Well, the, the question I have about this is obviously, you know, there's the automakers that have subscriptions. So then whenever mm -hmm. anything new comes out, they just get it because they're already right. subscribed to the mm -hmm. program. Sure. Is, so does this $1,200 fee only cover that 68 boost mm -hmm. in horsepower? That's what they're so if there's another one, then they're going to say, give us another $1,200. Right. Yeah. So, like, so what's, else, the, yeah. what's the monthly charge? for the subscription versus the $1,200. And then what's the, there, there's so many unanswered questions here in my point of mm -hmm. view that just, I, it's, it's difficult to come to a, like just a real thought process on whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. Like John said, but it seems reasonable. a little odd, you know, again, like there's a lot of money per horsepower, 68 horsepower, $1,200. I, I don't see the money value because there. that's going to be top end horsepower, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's like most people will never drive it fast enough to ever feel that. Except maybe and once. How, yeah. how many Polestar moon. drivers are honestly worried about going that fast too? Yeah. I feel like it's not yeah. the car. You know, the electric yeah. cars. Saying, depending like the on what powertrain, it has a already pretty decent, yeah. no, decently fast powertrain. Yeah. But well, I guess we'll find out. Um, my personal feeling is this is probably not. It's probably going to go over like a lead balloon, but we'll mm -hmm. see. I mean, subscriptions have not been as popular as the automakers. No, they, they keep would be. trying, and yeah. then they keep being like, "Oh, just kidding." <laughs> All right, let's move on now to our uh, our podcast question. It's an email from Dan. 
Dan, you're asking a, a very question that seems like it can be pretty simple, but it actually was pretty complex trying to figure out the answer. How much does the speed you're driving affect the range of an EV? And when you measure the advertised range for most various EVs, what speed are we driving at? The speed limit. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, you're going to lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> and tell me you're driving the speed limits. Basically, speed affects your driving range substantially. Uh, mm -hmm. It can be absolutely uh, um, the faster you go, the more you're eating up the battery. Mm -hmm. The figures I often see thrown out is if you're driving at 75 miles an hour versus, say, driving around town, it can be a 30 percent reduction mm -hmm. in your range. Uh, as far as our tests, our tests are driven in real-world conditions, and while we encourage uh, our drivers on their EV loops not to exceed the speed limits, let's face it, they're, they're real-world conditions, mm -hmm. but we're also not driving around at triple-digit speeds. We're right. doing basically the speed limit, maybe a little above if they're daring. Just rolling and with traffic. Rolling with traffic. Mm -hmm. That's yes. about the best way to put it. I looked up how the, uh, and please somebody else can chime in here, I looked up how the EPA does it for their uh, test, and they use basically two tests with some extra tests thrown in to measure um, vehicle uh, range. Uh, the first test they use for city driving, uh, the average speed is only about 21 miles an hour. Mm. The that makes about sense. That makes yeah. sense because it's stop and go. Yeah. The second test they don't exceed 55, and this is basically the same kind of test they've been using for internal combustion mm -hmm. engine cars forever. But they do have another test where the vehicle will get up to 80 for yep. brief periods. Yep. So they're trying to make sure that the range numbers they put out are as real world as possible. And I should say that's all done in a dyno, and then it's reduced by 30% for real world conditions. Mm -hmm. hmm. What we're finding is that our mixed driving loops often are very, very close to yes, this combined EPA definitely. number. You know, usually within 10% one way or the other. Mm -hmm. So whatever they're doing, they're doing it pretty well. Some uh, magazines, uh, they'll take a vehicle out on the interstate and lock it down at 75 to see what they'll do as far as range. And they're coming back with fairly low numbers, which you would expect. Uh, all you've got to do is use your own uh, eyesight when you're out on the interstate. If you're between two major cities and somebody drives up in a Tesla, chances are they're going to be doing the speed limit, and that's about it because they want yes. the range. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And uh, when you see someone blow by you in an EV, you figure, well, they must live near here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dan, I, I hope that answers your question. Basically, the speeds we d drive are variable, but they go with the traffic, and we match up very well, I think, against the official uh, government uh, mileage estimates, which are also variable and mm -hmm. cover a various uh, number of tests. Anyone else have anything else to throw in here? Yeah, I mean, I I was going to say, I mentioned earlier that city driving is really the, one of the best use cases Absolutely. for electric vehicles. But there's a reason for that. Oh, a real regen braking, of course, like, uh, you know, recuperating some energy. Because every time you stop at a stoplight, you're basically putting some energy back. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And like one pedal driving in a city. Oh, my God. Mm. Like if I lived in a city and I did one pedal driving, I wouldn't have to change my brakes for like 80,000 miles. Probably. Because I would literally ne almost like never step on the brake. One pedal driving me uses the um, resistance of the electric motor to actually stop you or mm -hmm. slow you down anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. 
while and, also at the same time generating electricity it goes back into yeah. the battery and if you want an exacerbated example of like how speed can affect it when you guys kyle when you guys go out to do uh tests at the track oh, with, yeah. the, with the evs you do so many runs you know yep. you're, you're going you know full throttle if we still call yeah, it so, throttle yeah you know yeah, it's still full throttle yeah still but throttle. it sucks <laughs> your battery down yeah exactly oh, yeah. you know so we go out it's about from uh from our headquarters here 75 ish 80 miles out to the track and myself and uh there's Steven, no chargers out there, there. Oh, there's yeah. one there's one in frederick one in frederick, one in frederick. One in frederick. <laughs> to get a fast but that's still done. like 25 miles away yeah <laughs> so it's uh yeah myself and uh you know our other main road test guys steven we uh we have a lot of range anxiety when these track days come about and we have evs um, some of them, you know, when we know for sure, most of them, if it's going to be, if they have close to a 300 mile range, we're good. We get out there, uh, because you do go over some slightly mountainous landscape to get yep. out there. We lose more than the 75, 80 miles, usually lose about a hundred miles getting out there. And in the testing in the 90 minutes or so it takes to do all the stuff with our slalom runs, our brake testing and our straight lines to get all of our lovely shots for your viewers out there. Mm -hmm. uh, we use at least 100 miles probably on every vehicle. Like the Hummer EV, <laughs> that thing was depleting so fast. It was honestly kind of nerve wracking because we were looking around like, we can only do this a couple more times because then we can't get it to a charger because it's mm. moving, what was it, 9,000 pounds? Yeah. At that yeah. Do you notice, like, um, do you notice, like, the slalom is, like, the thing that takes up the most energy? Because I feel like every now and again, like, if I do, like, a 0 to 60 run, it's not so bad the zero to 60 i feel like isn't so bad but when you're going all the way to the quarter, quarter mile, mile. Mm. and you're doing the whole 13 20 1320 feet it it will deplete sometimes like three miles depending on the vehicle mm -hmm. just one quarter mile run will take three miles off of the charge so hmm. it's yeah. also some so an issue give us more so, <laughs> so really in order to do an effective track day you need a vehicle with darn close to 300 yeah. miles worth of range. For us to Just be, to get mm -hmm. up there, for us do yes. the test, and get, get the testing done right. and get everything done to the best of our ability and have enough runs to do everything and then to be able to get back without having problems. I forget what car it was. It was... One of the Mazda, Mazda, I believe that. Uh, oh, the uh, the MX. Uh, I don't remember. The I don't MX30, remember which one the little hundred mile one. No, it was it was not the MX30 because uh, I don't think, uh, think uh, we track tested that because it only had a hundred miles. Yeah. There was no way to do it. Uh, but it was another Mazda or something where I was on the way home and it was one of those. I was literally at the fork in the road where it was I can drive home, which was still another like forty miles for me to get home or go back to the office, which was about thirty, and I had thirty five miles left on range. And I was like, <laughs> looks like I'm going to the office, guys. <laughs> And to everyone out there that doesn't think we have our own form of range anxiety, there it is. I deal with yeah. it weekly, ladies and gentlemen. And weekly. gosh, it's like uh, we have these issues too when we take uh, EVs to race courses, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Yep. So <laughs> it yeah. talks about trailering cars out there so yeah. we can actually test them on yeah. a real road course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Need more chargers mm -hmm. and more range. Yes. Kyle, I'm going to stay with you as we all wrap right. up. Uh, we're going to talk about a vehicle that is also all new this year for 2023. This is the vehicle that really began the midsize luxury SUV market in this country and, frankly, around the world. This is the new generation of the Lexus RX. Now, we had the RX 500 HF Sport 
performance all-wheel drive, their top-of-the-line performance model. Yes. But the RX, of course, is known for its poshness and for its reliability. Take us away on the new RX. Yep. So, as John said, the 2023 RX 500 HF Sport Performance, uh, like you said, the all-new uh, all-wheel drive, or the new all-wheel drive setup, they're calling their Direct 4. And that is part of the, the whole luxury package and that being one of the better vehicles in its uh, class. And uh, there have been three-row versions of the RX out there. They're going with this 2023 with just the two-row. Mm. And there's rumors out there that there will no longer be an RXL with the third row in it. They're going to keep this in this little crossover space between compact and midsize because that's where the car is doing so well. Yeah, but so you well. know what's going to happen. It's going to be, be, be called a TX now. There's, there's going to be the <laughs> new Grand Highlander, and yeah. they'll get some version of that. Yeah, yeah. and it's funny we'll that you mentioned the Highlander because underneath this, they're using Toyota's GAK GA-K architecture, which is used in the Highlander, the RAV4, and the NX as well. So obviously with them sharing the underpinnings like that, you can only imagine that they're going to do something like that, throw three, third, throw, yeah, throw the third row, sorry people, out there. Um, into a different model and into a different call model. something else. Yeah. So uh, with this RX, you get a 2.4 inch longer wheelbase for a little bit more leg room in the back. Uh, it's a little bit lighter as well. And there's a... Uh, I mean, it just—it's just honestly par for the course for the Lexus it, RX it model. It looks very evolutionary from yeah. the outside. It really, yeah, yeah. It, has mean, a, it, yeah. it wasn't the most attractive vehicle in the world, and now they've kind of made the front end even a little bit less attractive. It's but a little interesting. That's me. But the interior is a major change. Oh, yeah. yeah. The interior is it is a very luxury driven vehicle but for very the interior. Much more high tech. Oh, definitely. Definitely. It, it comes standard with a 9.8 inch uh, infotainment screen, which you can update to the 14, which I believe we had the 14 inch screen. Ours is pretty big. Yeah, yeah, it was it was big. So it's That's pretty big. You know, um, everything's right there. It's tilted a little bit towards the driver. So you don't really have to lean over a little bit to get your eyes on it if you're fumbling around trying to get your Android. Auto or Apple CarPlay working while you're on the highway, you have a little bit better eye line to it. But um, I mean, yeah, you know, I just say, you know, kudos for Lexus on this. this. This line's been around forever. But this 500H F Sport, this was, this is the most performance-oriented mm -hmm. RX they've ever done. Yes, it has uh, 367 horsepower with 406 pound-feet of torque. And I read in something just the other day, they were saying that this is supposed to be performing as well, if not better, than the old IS500 that had the V8 in it. Well, I think mm. that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, it, it is a hybrid, folks, but this is not about fuel economy no. and not about range or anything else. This is all about performance mm -hmm. because I think um, we got maybe 26 and a half miles per gallon in our test loop. So, But it was very quick. Uh, it still actually only uses a six-speed automatic transmission, which is wow. kind of yeah. <laughs> archaic. But from your track data that you brought back, you, you thought it was very smooth and really probably didn't need any more gears. No, I thought, I thought it was good. Well, we also didn't get to run at the full quarter mile because there were uh, certain restrictions that we had with that vehicle. So it was just the zero to 60 this times. Zero to 60. Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't get to go all the way. But the zero to 60 time, I don't have it in front of me right now, unfortunately. Right. But it was quick. It was definitely had a lot of kick off the line. You could definitely tell that the, the, the hybrid motor in there was giving you a little extra boost off mm -hmm. the line. And um, 
I would love to get back in one again and really be able to test it through the our cone course and all the way through the uh, quarter mile because I, I want to know we, what those numbers are. We have a scheduled also to get the regular RX in because they still are going to make a non-hybrid version, and, mm -hmm. uh, and and that's interesting because a lot of the Toyota Lexus products are coming out with a standard hybrid, but they know they've got such a, a faithful following. They want to make sure that this is their single most popular vehicle, mm -hmm. yep. often described as the vehicle that saved Lexus. Oh, I believe my mother. Uh, had one yeah. back in the day. I remember it. Um, spoiler alert, if you haven't looked inside of it, if you're a fan of the uh, the classic Lexus look with the, with the analog clock, it's gone. Oh. No more analog clock. I think that's okay. Well, you know, I don't, and I'll tell you <laughs> oh, why, okay. because it made it distinctive. <laughs> I, I remember I was on, I was there for the big press event where they launched this, yeah. the whole, you know, Toyota and Lexus together, they were launching a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, it was hilarious because they got rid of that touchpad. Yeah, well, that we don't. That. I don't think mm. we're going to miss. No, nobody. But what was hilarious about it is they mentioned it to the entire, oh. you know, all the journalists. Everybody like, started. Like, so oh, we got rid oh, of the touchpad. And, yep, and they did. Every, I did, too. I was like, thank you. And you just hear people like, it yes. deserve, That deserves <laughs> applause, though, it, it to get rid of because get the, rid of that. The, oh. All the designers and engineers were like, we know, we know. <laughs> like, we are sorry, yeah. and we're getting rid of it. It's not going to be around anymore. The so. new RX, uh, it promises to give you both the, um, uh, the uh, pomp and circumstance and luxury at the bottom end, and really more performance than I think we've seen with any um, Lexus SUV at the top end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. Anybody got a rant and rave before we wrap things up? <sighs> Something that has come across uh, your desk or your computer or in your hands while you're driving? Not a thing. I was going to say something, but it was pertaining to the holiday season. I'm pretty sure this airs after that, so it's not going to make sense. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't remember what the air date for this is well, specifically. Let me see. What, what, what does it have what, to do with the I mean, you know, holidays go coming up. So but go yeah. ahead. Now that you basically yeah, I, 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 I opened the can of worms. Just be nice in parking lots. Please, yeah. fighting over spaces. I don't spaces think that has anything to do with the holiday season. Well, because <laughs> of so many people. That's what I'm so, yeah, in general, but, you know, with the, the parking lots and the malls and everything else, I just see people, you know, doing very rude physical gestures towards each other when they're, you know, getting near a parking spot and one person thinks they deserve it and the other person doesn't, and it's just, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it just, you can That's go true. another 30 feet down and get a different parking spot a far, little further away from the entrance to your store. So to just... To everybody out there, we're recording this uh, about uh, 10 days before Christmas so that mm -hmm. we don't have to record one right around Christmas. <laughs> everybody on the yeah. staff gets to take a nice, long holiday. I think I have a rave before we oh, end. Oh, please. And it kind of is in tangent with what you yeah. said, Kyle. And it's that... Um, uh, around like right before Christmas, like the days before Christmas is my favorite car spotting um, in Why, parking lots. Big red bows? No, because... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to do that. <laughs> no, because it's, um, it's like everyone's doing their last minute Christmas shopping, right? Mm. So I remember I went to Target last year and the amount of luxury cars that I mm. saw, mm -hmm. I saw like a brand new S-Class, I saw a Bentley, I saw a G-Wagon, I saw cars that I do not normally see. But, you know, nobody's immune to the... Uh, to the last yeah. minute procrastination. The the <laughs> That's why in the Midwest Shoot, they always. You know, Nana the Midwest, still needs a gift. 
You've heard in the Midwest they call Target Target. Yes. Oh, well, yes. yes. Yeah, it's classy. Yep. yep. So classy. classy. Exactly. Yeah. So get your car spotting on. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's good. All right. Thanks, Jessica, Alex, and Kyle. And thank uh, also to the guy who makes us sound so brilliant every week, despite ourselves, David Wainwright, our audio engineer. Kudos to podcast producer Jessica Ray, who's sitting right here, of course, and our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. Hey, out there. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. And if you're wondering uh, what time Motor Week can be seen coast to coast on your local public television station, all you have to do is go to our website, motorweek.org, click on the tab about the show at the top of the screen, then station listings, and enter your zip code for the times and days in your area. Or you can hop over to our cable partner, MavTV.com, for their schedule. And just remember, you can stream Motor Week episodes in their entire for free on your mobile device or on your streaming box by downloading the PBS app that's available at your device's app store or streaming channel library. All of the individual road tests and features and our retro reviews are also available at youtube.com slash motorweek. So if you have a screen, there is no excuse for you not <laughs> watching Motorweek. Till next time, everybody, I'm John Davis. Thanks for being a part of Motor Week. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by Lucas Oil, Auto Value and Bumper to Bumper, and TireRack.com.